Hello, you're listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. The Grocery Girls is a non-profit organisation focused on inspiring and empowering women in the grocery industry at all stages of their careers. We want to help women realise their full potential, channelling their talent and ambition to seize the opportunities they deserve and carve out a career that works for them. I'm Jo Whitfield, the founder of Grocery Girls and also CEO of Co-op Food. I'm the first female CEO of a major grocery retailer, but it's absolutely my mission to ensure that there's many more of us coming through in the years to come. There are so many amazing, talented and driven women in our industry, and we want to bring you all together to share experiences and to ensure that every one of us reaches our goals. I'm Hester Lonergan, and I'll be your podcast host. Every episode, I'll be interviewing someone working in the grocery industry, from intern to CEO and retailer to supplier. I'll be asking them to share their daily routines, lessons learned and hopes for the future. We'll also be exploring how we adapt and flex to make our professional and personal lives work together, all the while embracing the fast-paced, ever-changing environment of this industry. again and welcome to episode seven of the Grocery Girls podcast. I can't believe we're already at seven. (laughs) When we started this series I didn't think we would still be in our homes at this point for sure. Um, At the beginning of March when things started changing I guess I naively hoped we'd have a temporary period of change and that we'd then be able to resume our normal rhythms and routines. Yes, maybe there would be changes that we'd bring with us into this next version of reality, but I couldn't imagine what staying at home for over 13 weeks would be like. And now that I am here, <laughs> I can tell you it's a roller coaster. And to be honest, I'm feeling ready to get off now. Um, yeah, I know that shops are allowed to re- reopen this week, uh, which is a sign of change, but our worlds still feel pretty constrained. I hope that you're all doing well and managing to navigate the ebbs and flows between optimism and frustration that I've certainly been feeling. Um, This week, I am delighted to share with you what is one of my favourite interviews so far. Emma Heal is the Managing Director of Lucky Saint, a low alcohol beer that seems to have taken the world by storm. Emma's career history is totally impressive, just like her. I find her energy absolutely infectious. She's so passionate, lively, and clearly incredibly talented. What I love, though, is that even though she comes across as so on it, she's also not afraid to talk honestly about the struggles that she faces. I could wax lyrical for many minutes more on this subject, but I want to let you hear Emma's wonderful thoughts from herself as soon as possible. One quick note before we start though, um, Verity's News You Can Use this week is an interactive one and we'd love you to get involved and share your thoughts, so please listen right through to the end of this episode and get in touch. And now, without further ado, here we go. So, without further ado, we will begin. Okay, so, hi Emma, welcome to the Grocery Girls podcast. Very exciting times. Um, For the benefit of our audience, could you introduce yourself, please? So your name, what you do work-wise, the business you work for, a brief career history, if you fancy. 
Um, yeah, sure. My name's Emma Heal, and I'm I'm the partner and managing director of a alcohol-free beer called Lucky Saint. Uh, we make a superior unfiltered 0.5% lager. And for anyone that's confused about is that alcohol-free, there's more alcohol in a banana than there is in a Lucky Saint. Um, so my background, whistle-stop, started at Tesco as a buyer, um, went on to Innocent um, to manage Sainsbury's, and then I moved over to Copenhagen and became the Denmark sales and marketing controller. Um, also launched Innocent into Sweden. Um, and obviously completely bitten by the startup bug, consulted for quite a few startups after that, and then went to Diageo and worked across 13 countries in Africa for three years. Um, in my last role, I joined Grey's, Grey Snacks, um, to take obviously a direct consumer business into retail. I was the managing director of retail there. Um, and obviously it was an amazing time utilizing Grey's multi-channel advantage. Um, over the years that I was there, over three years, we took the Grey's brand to the number one healthy snack in the UK with retail revenues of 50 million. Um, so quite a huge growth business. Um, obviously we became the UK's number one healthy snack, really exciting. And then I joined Lucky Saint in February as managing director. Uh, and that was three months ago. Wow, okay, so pretty exciting career you've had so far. Um, the first thing I would just like to track back slightly to. So are you telling me that there's alcohol in a banana? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you think about the process of fermentation, obviously there is trace elements of alcohol. Also in, um, you know, a, quite an old glass of orange juice. And even there's more, there's definitely more alcohol in a piece of rye bread. Um, and I won't go into the details here, but, um, you know, the UK government is looking at harmonising where what they call alcohol free uh, with most of the rest of the world certainly the whole of europe 0.5 percent is considered alcohol free you can drink pints and pints of lucky saint and you will not get drunk you do not have to have a license to sell 0.5 percent um drinks um and things like kombucha most kombuchas have got more than um, 0.5 percent in so yeah it's a it is a an interesting topic at the moment but yes it's very trace you'd never get drunk off bananas don't worry Okay, amazing to know. I'm learning on the job. Thanks so much for sharing. Um, <laughs> so um, three months, did you say you've been at Lucky Saint now? So when that must, have, must that have been? So you must have started at the beginning of Feb? So I'm getting the sense that you've worked in startups um, for a long time. And I know, having chatted to you previously, you're really um, kind of you you get a lot of energy from being in those growth environments and where things are moving quickly and it's very much about kind of making things work. Um, so I'm sure that when you uh, started at Lucky Saint, there was an element of that, an element of expectation of that. However, the present circumstances must have been completely unprecedented to you, for you. So how has it been starting a new job and um, kind of the COVID-19 situation suddenly launching itself upon you? Yeah, it's been a, a whirlwind, like most of us. Um, certainly a different business to the business I joined, you know, almost three, 12 weeks ago. Um, so I joined the business in an amazing time. So we just had a record January, uh, a very natural uplift, obviously, due to dry January and people giving up the booze over January or cutting back. Um, also, Lucky Saint had, had launched on draft, so on tap, in 50 venues, which was just a phenomenal success. So... The team sold what they thought was going to be three months stock in only three weeks. It was unbelievable. 
February, we equaled our January number, um, despite it being a very short month and despite it not being dry January. Beginning of March was incredible. You know, I was in my first board meeting and we were literally talking about the fast or faster plan. And literally one week later, Corona had kind of taken over the UK. Um, and as everyone knows, that period was unbelievable. You know, new information was coming on a daily, almost hourly basis. Um, Boris Johnson announced total lockdown Monday the 23rd of March. This resulted in a complete shutdown of what we call the on-trade, so bars, pubs, restaurants. We lost overnight 70% of our volume, gone. And it was obviously looking really grim. So from sort of fast or faster one week to the next, looking at potentially not, nothing, no revenue at all or cash receipts for 12 weeks. So yeah, it was a very, very intense start to a job. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, I can imagine. So um, I'm really interested then, what, what did you do? Because we, we've checked in and things are going well now, right? So how did you manage to turn that around? Yeah, it was intense. Um, and I think, you know, being a startup, as all startups know, you've got this lovely ability to act very quickly. Um, we planned for the worst and hoped for the best. So we sort of purposely catastrophize what could have happened. And I think Dale Carnegie said, what's the worst that can happen? That's what we did. You know, we made some assumptions. Our supply chain could break. We brew in Germany, in Bavaria. We had no insight whether we could even get the stock into the UK. Would couriers be allowed to work? Some people's assumption that the UK grocery industry, everything, unless you were in nappies, toilet roll or baked beans would be down because we wouldn't be able to get stock in the warehouse. And I think as a team, we pivoted really, really quickly, lightning quick. Um, I spent two incredibly long days in the office with um, my business partner, founder, Luke. Um, and we took some really, really hard decisions. You know, it was a couple of quite grim days. We looked at our entire cost base, um, literally cut 65% versus budget of our cost base. And that sadly did include headcount. Obviously, we found out, you know, there was a furlough scheme, which has been extremely helpful. Um, we all took salary reductions. Um, I took 50% salary reduction. Um, we postponed all agency relationships. Uh, we brought everything in-house, PR, for example. And I think, you know, I'm really proud of the way we behaved in this time. We reached out to all our customers, certainly in the on-trade, and said, don't worry, we'll support you. We know you can't pay us. We'll, you know, just keep going. And when you can pay us back, pay us back. So it's definitely a case of cutting cost. Um, and then obviously revenue opportunities. And as a team, the team were incredible. We sort of sat down and said, well, where are people? Where are they going to be buying? We obviously foresaw very quickly it would all go on to DTC and um, driving um, online sales was going to be huge. Um, and people are drinking more than ever at home and they still want to socialise. So we just pivoted hard to direct consumer. Um, and Lucky Saint, you know, we'd made sure that it was still part of people's weekly routine. So we got really into set into how how we could possibly sell online so i had these wonderful 30 minute power chats set up with all sorts of people in the industry you know i've found that people have been very generous with their time sort of teach me how to be a performance marketeer in 30 minutes go <laughs> and they've been so helpful um and i think we've put a huge amount of time and effort in as a team to upskilling um i think we've also we pivoted very hard in terms of ways of working very small, very motivated team. Everyone wanted the business to survive. 
everyone's made personal sacrifices for the sort of the greater good. Um, you know, the team sort of said, well, we'd rather have a business in four months time. Let's do this. Um, and I think when you're moving that quickly, the other thing we really recognised and we felt very confident to do was completely empower the team to make decisions. Um, so someone told me about this wonderful initiative um, that Jeff Bezos, obviously uh, chief kingpin at Amazon, said. He talks about decisions as either being one-way or two-way doors. So a two-way door is one you can gum come back through so for all those kind of decisions we just said to the team just go for it don't ask permission just do it if you can reverse what you know the, the decision just crack on so we spent or tried to spend most of our time thinking about one-way doors that if you make that decision you know it's going to fundamentally change things and then as I kind of alluded to the third part of this was just massively over indexing on training and making sure the team was super motivated and felt empowered so we changed the objective process for the year and put in quarterly objectives. We're still running, I've just done one this morning, personal development plans to make sure the team know that this is not just about driving revenue, but we're thinking about their long-term investment in their long-term um, career aspirations and what they want to do. I've done some training courses. We set up this lovely, um, these lovely things called learning lunches. So over a lunch break, you know, someone would lead the team on a particular topic that they've learned lots about um, and just keep everyone fired up and it's as you know you alluded to we we turned it around and our we had the best month ever in April you know higher than July January so um, it's just been a an incredible journey I mean COVID-19 is an awful awful situation but I think those of that are acting quick decisively um, and going where their customers are and consumers are are going to be okay. Amazing. That's an amazing story and very um, uplifting, I think, for the times we're in at the moment. Um, I wonder whether you... Would you say that part of kind of the startup mindset has been a really positive thing to have at this time? So, so being a startup and being able to move that quickly and very much being... I, I assume you, you recruit people and bring people into the business that can make those decisions and, and kind of move that quickly. Would you say that having those conditions and having a small team have allowed you to, su to succeed in this period? I definitely think there are attributes that, you know, for people that naturally get um, motivated to want to work in that kind of environment have, um, and they over-index in them. And certainly from, you know, bringing oh, nearly... I guess, 40 people over a three to five year period at Grays into the business, I know I can look out for those attributes now. And they definitely help. It definitely helps being small and making decisions really quickly. But I definitely think that you can have that mindset in any size business. Um, and I've been reading about some, you know, much bigger businesses that are, are pivoting quickly and uh, understanding, you know, putting effort into understanding agile ways of working and decentralized decision making and focusing on the the task the major task at hand and letting people just find their way through it does help if obviously you've got massive trust in your team my team absolutely brilliant um if i think about the sales guys you know they're on trade through and through but they are learning on the spot learning how to sell into um dot com businesses to grocery channels because they want to learn they've got an appetite to learn so i, I wouldn't necessarily say it's it's integral that you've got to be a a startup to be able to act that quickly. I think it's a mindset, a mindset thing. 
Amazing. Um, can you? I don't. I don't know whether you can, but could you talk to me a little bit more about those attributes that we're talking about? So, if you, um, you just mentioned one, in fact, um, which was that desire to learn and that passion. Um, but when you say that you can kind of spot those attributes in people a mile off, can you tell me a little bit about what those things might look like? It might be a tricky question. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, sure. No, <laughs> no, I think, let me think, there's probably four key ones. So the first is about being able to set context and communicate really clearly because you move quick, you don't have huge amounts of time, you certainly don't need 40-page PowerPoint presentations to land um, you know, the strategy that you want to build. I'd rather see a strategy on a page, actually, with some really, really key data points. So I would say, in a pithy way, no BS. Be authentic, be transparent. Tell the team how it is. We were really honest with the team up front. We said, we've got to cut our costs. We've got to do this. This is the only way we're going to make the business survive um, and bring, them, bring the people on the journey with you, um, being upfront with our route to market partners, etc. So I think being able to set really clear context, exactly what is happening now and not be blinkered by a plan that you had three weeks ago because you, you again you wrote this beautiful powerpoint presentation you've got to stick with it doesn't matter put it in the bin this is about the context right now so one first is communication and setting context Se secondly is the ability to be really decisive and someone once said to me that's um, the difference between a manager and a leader and i believe you can be a leader at any level of the business doesn't matter what your job title is but leaders make decisions um, I'm really, really big on triangulating data points, which is a really posh way of saying just finding out different opinions and then making a decision based on that data. So I'm big into a model called data insight action. So what, what's the information out there that you can gather? Right, cool, got some data points. What does that mean? What are the insights that that data is giving you? And then most importantly, and this is where a lot of things just stop, what are we doing about it? What's the so what? So being super decisive has been integral, especially in the last couple of months, saying, no, we don't need a PR agency, we can do it ourselves. We kept really good relations with the PR agency. And, you know, as we've turned the volume and the business around, we've brought them back in again. Um, I think the third element is being able to be super agile. So being able to change your style, use different tools, focus on the current needs of the business and consumers. So obviously when we were remote working, we had to throw all you know, processes out the window and we installed Trello. So I don't know if you've come across Trello, it's obviously for team working and projects, etc. And that has been so, so helpful. We changed our um, meetings. So right at the beginning we were having, you know, in the tech world they'd call them stand-ups, like daily 30-minute calls. That just became too much after a couple of weeks and we moved to three longer calls over the week, one for performance, one for project management, and one just for fun. Friday is just for fun. And then the fourth point is literally what you talked to you about earlier, the appetite to learn. The appetite to go, okay, this is a bit shit, but what are we gonna do about it? And how are we gonna make the best of this? Right, we don't know anything about online, or we knew little about online. Um, right, how are we gonna upskill? How are we gonna find out? Who can I talk to in the industry? So not, you know, always, always just asking for help and being honest with yourselves if you don't know something, going out and finding out. And people have been so helpful and so willing to share. And I think this is a very levelling time where, 
you know people are genuinely genuinely willing to help others um and i i think you know i'm not necessarily saying that everyone's got to have every single one of those attributes but m- most people that i i've bought into the business or i personally love working with have um have got an element of all of those Thank you so much for sharing. That's super interesting. Um, I'd be really interested to know whether you see these four attributes more in men or women, stereotypically, or are they things that you see kind of across the board? Um, no, I don't think so. I think you just you recruit the right person for the job. Um, actually, at Grey's, my whole senior team were female, apart from one guy. Um, but at Lucky Saint, it's completely evenly split 50-50 and it's evenly split, you know, it's a very flat, small business, but evenly split across the sort of levels, if there were levels, um, male to female. Um, I think it's just a mindset, a mindset thing if you're, you know, you're able to be agile and adaptable. And I think it's also creating the conditions for people to succeed in that, in that way. So, Two of our team are mums, well, three of us, I'm also a mum, but two of our team are mums who work part-time and that works for them and they do their hours whenever works for them around, around their kids. Um, so they're definitely, they've got an agile mindset, if you like. Um, we have a lovely initiative on a Monday morning before we look at the performance of the week before where we put a slide up every week and every week everyone puts an image or a link to something that they have liked or loved or learned last week which has nothing to do with work nothing so you know it could be I baked a sourdough bread or I watched this I listened to this amazing podcast or I watched the Michael Jordan documentary everyone's raving about and it's just every single member of the team does it um or it could be I planted sunflower seeds with my kids you know but it's just that desire to share what you're doing and what's interesting in your life so no I don't see it I personally don't see it at Grey's. I didn't see it at Grey's. I'm not seeing it at Lucky Saints. I think it's, yeah, I think it's just a willingness to to want to get stuck in. That's what's really important. I wonder whether, um, and I, I, I don't want to labour this point, and also I don't know anything really about startup culture because I've never worked um, for a startup. Um, but I wonder whether, because it's a much newer way of doing business, those envir- and those environments, because they're so fast-paced um, and decisive, as you say, I wonder whether there's less space for kind of ego and um, developing those kind of... S- developing and almost um, expressing traits. Maybe there's not as much time for anything other than doing the job. <laughs> and maybe also because it's an environment that's that's a lot more modern, maybe a lot of those like historically entrenched stereotypes haven't been given the space to grow. We certainly don't get hung up on... Yeah, no, we certainly don't get hung up on job titles. And I think when you're in a startup, it is such a, it's such a specific environment. People like my team and myself included genuinely love what we do. And I know, you know, I have been in environments where I haven't and it is tough and it's a slog. But all of us genuinely love the business. We love what we're doing. We think the product's absolutely amazing. You know, if we can give people a very credible alternative to a drink, if that's what they want, we think we've, we've got a brilliant product for that. So I think when you genuinely love what you do, work isn't stereotypically work. Um, and yeah, startups if you're passionate about it they do genuinely 
um, attract that kind of passion. Um, and there definitely isn't room for huge egos in a startup. There just isn't. You know, it's a very flat hierarchy. Um, and people have to and do really trust you to do your job. You know, we've got one person in ops, one person in marketing, two people in sales. Like, there is, there's no space to to tread water or to hide or to... And no one would ever, you know, put their name on someone else's piece of work. That's just not how we roll. And we're genuinely really supportive of each other. It obviously is relentless and exhausting, but it's fun. And <laughs> we make it fun. There's no, there's no sort of lengthy decision process to make... Yeah, to, to get stuff aligned with the team. You just have a, a Zoom call and get it done. And that's... You know, that's, that, for me, is hugely motivating. I love that environment. Brilliant. Thank you so much for sharing. So um, we've talked about your career history briefly and then what it's like working in startups. And obviously we've touched on the, the amazing journey that you've had so far at Lucky Saint and, and how you've managed to pull success kind of out of the bag during this adverse period. Um, I'd love for you to talk to us a bit about what work literally kind of physically means for you right now. So what is your current working situation um, kind of on the day to day? Uh, do you have a routine? Um, are you physically kind of working from home? Are there any challenges involved there? What do things look like for you? Yeah, I think obviously the first six to eight weeks were bonkers and, you know, everything went out the window and I, I'm not, I won't lie, like I worked <laughs> pretty much constantly. Um, and I was really motivated to work constantly. It was, um, you know, it's quite, it's, I mean, it was really hard, but huge amounts of energy derived from keeping a business going basically um but after a certain period of time you I just realized I've got to put in some structure so I have put in a routine um only literally in the last two weeks I've blocked time out to um do my sister's Zumba class she does a Zumba class that you can dial into she's amazing um and see my children and make sure I have a lunch break and make sure I get outside and walk and make sure I cycle my bike before work every day. And I've had to do that, but it's proving to be hugely beneficial because when I'm at work, I'm at work and I can focus, I can get on with it. And then when I'm with my kids, I'm not checking my phone and I'm in the moment with them. So, um, yeah, it's a very different environment to, you know, the, the craziness of a couple of weeks ago, but it's working for me. And actually, you know, this is a unique time and it is tough. It's really, really hard for everyone, but it, there is a, some unique opportunities to use the commute time that you used to have. You know, I used to actually love my commute and listen to podcasts, but actually I can use it for other things now. Um, do some exercise if you can. Try not to hit the biscuit tin too much. <laughs> um, and find ways, other ways to, to get stimulation because you can't just be... All, all work and just playing with the children you know if if you used to love going to exhibitions you know so many museums are opening up online and you can look at stuff for free and there's other ways to to stimulate yourself um so yeah routine has been absolutely essential and I don't keep it every day but I don't beat myself up about it if I don't we just start another day fresh yeah, and I think that's been key and it's a really interesting conversation that I've been having and I've been seeing other people have during this period um, is the idea that it's okay to establish a routine and not stick to it. 
it's okay to feel great one week and then not feel okay the next week. It's okay. I know when we first said hello this afternoon, I told you that I'm suffering from a severe case of lockdown lethargy right now. Um, it's okay not to be perfect all the time. Yeah, certainly something I've learned about myself is not to be so hard on myself. I think we are all tough on ourselves, but I can give myself a break. You know, I'm not saying I've got it harder than anyone else. Um, I'm a working mum. I've got a partner who has an intense job. I've got two kids under the age of three. Um, I, all I can do is my best. Um, and luckily, as I said, I enjoy what I do and I love the people I work with and I like the brand, I like the product. So I think that really helps. Yeah, for sure. And I think um, from having heard you talk about your experiences and the roles you've done before, it sounds like you have already developed um, a fair amount of resilience I don't know whether you'd agree but I wonder whether that has really kind of seen you in good stead over this period certainly yeah I mean almost 20 years in the trade and I've been through a recession and I've worked in lots of different countries and I think you just use any and all um, experience that you've got and that even if you're at the start of your career you know you might have had a tough time at school just remember that you've been through it you've done it okay no one has seen anything like this in our lifetime never but what I realised right at the beginning of this process is at no point did I think we'd fail. So I think that sort of confidence in our ability to turn things round, because I knew we had a great product, and I think that's, that's always the difference. Like, I was completely confident in the brand and in the product, and I was com confident in the people. So I never, ever saw failure. Um, and I think the other ele element is I'm, I realised that I'm just a natural opportunity spotter. And, you know, lead, leading the team to do that. Like, right, how are we going to do this, guys? It's always how can we. Um, and FMCG, what a wonderful industry to be in. It doesn't stop. People need to eat and drink on average three times a day. You know, that's, that's never, ever, ever going to stop. We're not in an industry that's just completely dried up or people have put on hold. People need to eat and drink and people need to enjoy themselves whilst they're doing it sometimes. Sometimes, obviously, it's complete necessity. Um, and then the other, the other part is I'm, I'm, I wouldn't say I've got no ego, but I'm very happy to put my hand up if I don't understand something and ask. And I encourage everyone to do that. If you don't, if there's an element of your role you're not comfortable with or, you know, you want to find out about a new industry, reach out to that person. Say, can I just put in half an hour with you, have a cup of tea, have a Zoom chat and just ask and like just constantly learn um, it, it is a bit adapt to survive, but I think it's more like adapt to thrive kind of thing. <laughs> you know, this can, you can turn this into a positive if you want to. Excellent. Excellent. Amazing. Um, so there are a couple of really interesting, um, bits I picked up on in what you just said then. Um, so that idea of adapt to thrive, I think, I think you're really right there. And especially in terms of the industry that we work in, actually there will never be a time when things aren't moving quickly and things aren't evolving at a rapid pace. And obviously the present situation is kind of unprecedented levels of change and uncertainty. But one of the things that this podcast, um, one of the things that we really want to focus on in this podcast is the skills and the experiences that people have had and that are required in this industry because it is one which will always change and that idea that flexibility and adaptability really is a fundamental skill required to succeed in this industry 
you're nodding furiously. <laughs> yeah, completely. Um, and I know, I know we're a startup and there's been a monumental shift. Um, and we've done, I think we've done what we needed to do to keep going. But as I said, we didn't just survive with thriving, which I think is massively motivating for the team. Um, and, but there will be easing of lockdown and it will come and there will be another change and another change. And obviously we're planning now for how to maximize those opportunities as well, because life is change constant. And it's, I think if you can get your head around that and learn to live in that constant change, you'll definitely be, you'll be a lot happier, certainly for sure. Yeah. Brilliant. And the second bit that um, I'd like to delve a little bit deeper into was this idea that you were saying when um, lockdown was first announced and things were looking like they were about to be turned completely upside down, um, you genuinely didn't think that you were going to fail. You genuinely thought, we're going to get through this. We will succeed. We will make good of this situation. Um, And I wonder, um, so in one of the earlier podcast interviews that I did with Helen Hepworth, she was talking about how important failure is for development and some of her best experiences and some of her real kind of knowledge and growth has come from failing. Um, And I wonder whether, does the same apply to you? Have you, if you've got this kind of positivity and this, this drive and this genuinely, I don't think will fail, is that something that you always apply or have there been situations when you have failed and that's been a good thing? I think failing is absolutely fundamental to how you progress. Um, and I certainly learned that at Grays. When you join a dot-com business, it's all about fail fast, test and learn, test and learn, test and learn. If you're not breaking it, you're not stretching the barriers. And, and I truly believe that. And believe me, we've tried some stuff in the last few weeks that haven't worked. Um, we've realised that some of our you know, elements of our DTC uh, were pretty broken. Our website was broken. Um, and I think, yeah, unless you're pushing the boundaries, you're, you're not learning. So, yeah, don't get me wrong. It's a mindset that we will, we will make it work, but you've got to be testing and learning all the way through um, and understanding what works and testing the boundaries. Um, otherwise, you're not learning. Mm. It's almost like as a whole, Lucky Saint is going to get through this there may be many parts within it that are really successful. There may be parts that fail, but it's that whole kind of pushing that whole forwards that is the successful piece, I guess. Yeah, and I think it's also encouraging and fostering an environment where you can talk about failure and you can talk about it proudly, you know, especially on this two-way, one-way door situation, you know. No, that one, we had to come back through the door, that didn't work. But that's cool, you know, there's no judgment here. I'd rather people were trying stuff and it not working. But yeah, on the, on the overall goal and the overall mission, ambition, um, whatever you want to call it, it's a, it's a drive to be, you know, the world's most defining alcohol-free beer. <laughs> and we think we're going to get there you know there's a there's a there's a purpose there we all you know we've got I think that's a, another huge part of it when your values and your beliefs and your purpose are connected to to what the business wants to do then you know sky's the limit um so I'd also love um to know whether you think that over this period and I'm sure the answer is yes I'm sure you'll have learned some things um over this period have you learned anything um as I say I'm sure you'll have learned plenty about the business it'll have been a baptism of fire to a new business for you um during this time but have you learned anything about yourself um over the 
kind of lockdown COVID-19 situation? Um, I definitely think it's solidified a few things. Like <clears throat> I find connection really important, whether it's with the team or with buyers or with meeting new people. Um, and, you know, we've all moved on to Zoom calls and Google Hangouts, etc. There's still ways to do it, but it's really, really important for me and it gives me a lot of energy. Um, I think I've learned how I can be a catalyst for connecting people, including the team. So we've had some wonderful opportunities to get to know each other, Friday socials. And there's no way we would have got to know each other this well um, without, you know, being put in the situation we're in. <coughs> and then I think disconnecting as well. I wasn't very good at disconnecting, but actually I've learned how important it is to when you when you stop, really, really stop. Um, and what it's taught me, because you know, the conversation, we're, you know, lockdown's easing up now, but a couple of weeks ago, the conversation at the weekend with your friends was what are you up to at the weekend? It was it turned into who are you Zooming at the weekend? Um, I've also learned not to overbook myself because I could, I got, you know, an absolute classic of overbooking myself in my personal life, but actually leaving windows open just you know you have such magical times we've had some really lovely times and some not great times but we've had some really lovely times so I'm definitely going to take that forward um is not to overbook myself at work or at home great um and I guess we've touched upon the future is there a light at the end of the tunnel we can see something glimmering on the horizon um do you have any thoughts or do you have any suspicions about what the future may look like I guess between now and the end of the year do you think that you'll be sitting back in an office do you think that your way of working will change after this kind of period who knows when we will get out of it yeah oh there's undoubtedly going to be a fundamental shift in what people want out of their lives, how they expect to work. You know, some businesses have, have already said we're not going to need our real estate in central London going forward. Um, I think it will give certainly people a lot more flexibility, very helpful to people looking after others, whether it's caring for older people or children, which is going to be super helpful. Um, lovely quote from a guy who wrote a book called William Gibson, who said the future is already here it's just not evenly distributed. So actually, if you look on the fringes, you can see the future already. So you can start to really sniff out what's gonna happen already. Um, so that's something we're purposely doing is not looking too far ahead. Um, because of, you know, if I say something now in May, it's gonna be completely outdated, give it a month. So we're really looking at uh, what's happening now, keeping an eye on the periphery. Um, and looking at glimpses of that and that will be flexible working and there will be more socialising at home and there will be more scratch cooking and I'm you know I don't you know this is not sort of make America great again <laughs> territory the, the future will definitely change and I, I can see a lot of good coming out of this as well as it obviously being a horrendous situation for so many people um, community has become super important people are more excited about interested in provenance and CSR and some, there's some really good stuff coming out of this as well. Fab, thank you so much, Emma. Um, so now I'm going to move on to one of my favourite parts of the podcast and do the quick fires. So can you tell me, <laughs> please, can you tell me, question one, is there anything you've realised you can't do without now that we are in our homes? Um, definitely the internet. 
obviously it's enabled what's really important to me, which is connection, Zoom, FaceTime, to be able to talk to my mum, for the children to see their grandparents. And a major other element is having access to things like Amazon Prime Video and Netflix because you need to switch off as well. So yeah, when the internet's slow, we just changed our provider today actually to go three times faster. Uh, the people in the house are a lot happier in my family. <laughs> Amazing, thank you. Question two, what is the first thing you're going to do when the world returns to not so much, but air quotes, normality? I'll definitely hug my mum and dad. Um, you know, dad's in the category that he's got to be kept away from everyone. So actually it probably won't be hug my mum and dad. It will be step out the way and let them hug their grandchildren. Oh, and obviously go to the hairdressers, as everyone needs to do. <laughs> my fringe is out of control. Like, seriously out of control. You, wh when I'm, I'm talking to Emma right now over Zoom and I'm wearing a headband, which has been basically permanently stuck to my head for about the last five weeks now. <laughs> I can thoroughly recommend, go onto Superdrug's website. There's a little uh, teach you how to cut your own fringe. Go into Superdrug and buy the scissors and buy the comb. I, I cut my own fringe the other day. I felt quite proud of myself, but you have to do watch the tutorial so you don't sort of look a bit wonky by the end of it. <laughs> okay, I might just do that, you know. You might have inspired me. Thanks, Emma. Okay, amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Um, the final thing that we always do on this podcast is ask you for a recommendation. So actually, normally we ask you just for one recommendation, but I've just checked in with Emma and she has come prepared with two. So we're going to go for two recommendations today. Why not? An extra dose of inspiration for our listeners. Amazing. So um, can you please tell us about a book that you've been reading recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Um, I like to have two books on the go, a fiction and a non-fiction. So my non-fiction is a book called Lessons in Stoicism by John Sellers. Um, and it's about, you know, when life doesn't turn out the way you want it to, finding help and ways to cope with it. So it could have been worse. And it's literally about how you use adversity to grow. It's a very short book. You can read it in a couple of hours. And then my fiction book, which is a complete antidote and the antithesis of that kind of book, is called Nine Perfect Strangers by Leanne Moriarty, who's the woman who wrote Big Little Lies. It's hilarious. I laughed. I cried. It's complete escapism. Um, and it kind of holds a mirror up to how far we will go to pursue self-development, which is kind of hilarious, considering the other book that I was uh, recommending. So they're my two recommendations. Amazing. Bit of, bit of irony between the two. I like it. Um, great. So our listeners can indulge themselves in a bit of non-fiction or fiction, whichever they choose, or both, if they so wish. Great. Um, and then secondly, then, um, can you talk to us a bit about a role model who inspires you, please? I think Simon Sinek is amazing. Um, his TEDx talk has been listened to 50 million times. It's called How Great Leaders Inspire Action. I couldn't recommend it more. It made all my hairs stand on end when I watched it. Um, but basically, he's trying to inspire people to do things that inspire them so that we can change the world for the better. So he's all about action like dream it but start it just get on and start and I think that's really really helpful and I've always tried to live and lead with that in mind but I think the principle is even more important at this time of really really intense change and uncertainty so I'd uh, I definitely recommend looking up Simon Sinek's TED talk. Brilliant and yeah I can completely concur with that I think it's it's 
never been more important to try and find ways to motivate yourself and establish that momentum because we don't have really, obviously we may have our jobs, but we don't have the same things propelling us forward that we have had in the past. So definitely a great shout. And I may just log on to, um, well, I'm, I may just go on to the TED Talks website and, and watch his video this afternoon. So thank you so much for sharing. Emma, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, we've covered some really interesting stuff and it's been amazing to get the perspective of someone working from a startup. So I hope you've enjoyed yourself. Um, yeah, it's just been brilliant. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me and good luck with, all, with the Grocery Girls podcast. I think it's amazing what you're doing, Hester. Well done. Thanks so much to Emma for taking the time to talk to me. I don't know about you, but I get the sense that working in the startup space or in the kind of independent growing business space is such an exciting place to be. It sounds like it gives Emma a heck of a lot of energy. And um, I know that over the past few months, I've been talking to more and more people from within that world. And there's some really, really great stuff going on. And I can't wait to see more products coming onto uh, the shelves that come from these independent suppliers. Yeah, brilliant stuff. All the books and role model recommendations from Emma will be available in the show notes for this episode if you want to check them out. Um, and before we draw this episode to a close, as always, we've got a news you can use from Verity. She's asking you to get involved and share some of your thoughts with us. Um, and again, if you do want to get in touch, then listen to the end of the episode where we give you all our contact details. Thanks as always and speak to you next week. Hi everyone, it's Verity and my news you can use this week comes from a very gloomy Manchester. I think we've all been experiencing the rain, the thunder and lightning um, and it's made for a very different working week um, compared to the lovely sunshine that we've been having previously. So my news you can use this week guys is actually a question for you all um, and it comes off the back of an experience with Joe Whitfield, our Grocery Girls founder and co-op food CEO. So today we went out in stores and we were talking to colleagues about the highs and lows that have been happening over the past 12 weeks and how it's been feeling um, working on the front line. And we got talking about lunch meals and how normally people grab something on the go at lunchtime or they take in leftovers from dinner the night before. But actually that's really changed now and people are scratch cooking and coming up with new lunch ideas at home and having to make them um, every day. Um, so they're looking for some variety. And I thought as a community, we could all share um, a new lunch idea. Um, and actually, we could build a great uh, lunch network um, for us all to tap into. So my challenge, guys, is for you to share an idea um, that you've had for lunch, whether that's something healthy, uh, super naughty, uh, something that's comforting or something that you tried that was new that you didn't think you'd ever try before. Um, and we can all see whether we can find something new and different that we'd like to make next week. So please share them on our Instagram page or on our LinkedIn page or email us at Grocery Girls with a picture because um, we would love to hear from you. Um, and I just think it's something great that we can all do together. So guys, it's over to you. Um, have a great week and I can't wait to hear your new lunch ideas. Thanks. You've been listening to the Grocery Girls podcast. Thanks for tuning in.
If you enjoyed this episode, please share with colleagues and friends or let us know on Twitter, LinkedIn or Instagram with the handle Grocery Girls UK. You can join our network, subscribe to our newsletter, get more resources and find out about upcoming activity on our website, grocerygirlsuk.com. See you soon. Thank you.